Welcome, everyone, to the CapsCorner.com podcast. CapsCorner.com, your source for sports. I am Brad Franklin, publisher of CapsCorner.com, coming to you live from the palatial Franklin States in the west end of Richmond, where it is Tuesday. Don't adjust your dials. Tuesday, October the 6th, because of some um, scheduling snafus and such and such, uh, we're recording this early and posting it late. So here is our, our constant mea culpa here, right? If aliens landed in Charlottesville on Wednesday, okay, and we're not talking about it because uh, we're not recording on a Wednesday night, it's not our fault, okay? Anything that happened after roughly 8.45-ish um, Tuesday night, we, we apologize. This is the way content gets created sometimes, and... Um, world will keep on spinning hopefully the aliens won't land uh we're going to talk about uh virginia's loss down in clemson um respectable i think is um is a fair way to put it 41 23 not too far off from our guesses actually um cavaliers i felt acquitted themselves quite well in some respects and in others didn't so we'll discuss all of that um we will also look forward to virginia's matchup noon acc network on saturday at home against nc state the wolfpacker kind of jekyll and hyde um so I'm not really sure what team is going to be where, but certainly seems like Vegas feels like they know. Um, so we'll, we'll talk about that matchup, give our choices, and then I guess we got to revisit zombie season since it will be different again. Before we get started, let's go around and introduce everybody. First up in Fishersville, David Spence is back on the show. How's it going, my dude? I'm doing pretty good for a guy who's watched his team play Clemson twice in the last four games. Um, who days on the board at who days on Twitter? <laughs> well, at least this one you didn't have to be in person. Um, yeah, that's true. And up in Arlington, staff writer Justin Ferber is also back on the program. How's it going, my friend? Uh, doing well. Can't complain. Um, hopefully, if we have any third and longs, Travis Etienne can get us through it on this podcast. Um, <laughs> at Justin underscore Ferber on Twitter. And I don't have a good call tonight, but I do have a PSA that the registration for uh, voter registration deadline for Virginia is next Tuesday the 13th. So if you're going to vote, do that ASAP. And also, we are worldwide. So if you you should if you're not in Virginia, you should check. Man, and I'm see. not going through every state. <laughs> here's my tw- here's my 50 tweet thread uh, on all the places you can vote. Cavs Corner also on Twitter. Cavs underscore Corner. Great place for in game updates, content items, and the occasional witty banter. Um, so let's talk about this Clemson game. First off, I guess we should talk about the the COVID in the room, right? Um, I want to give a, a personal um, shout out to my co-host here, who. I, <laughs> They tried to tell they tried to tell you not to thump your chest, right? Like there, we we had these conversations about UVA and you know this, and when the tech game got postponed, and you know so many negatives and such and such and such, and you guys were pretty consistent, right, in saying like, hey, listen, just because that's the way it is now doesn't mean it'll be the way it's always going to be. So be careful about you know setting up a glass house because you don't want to end up inadvertently throwing a stone. And I think some people probably went that far. I don't think the bulk of people, and I certainly don't think for you know, Mark Rick, um, who look at the camera, Mark, like, look at the camera, dude. Anyway, um, it, it, I certainly, I don't think UVA did that in terms of, you know, selecting Kelly Pugh and giving her that honor, letting her break the rock. I, I thought that was just a, a, you know, a huge thank you to her for getting him there. I, I thought it was really, and it was really special to her. You could tell. So I, I really didn't appreciate folks trying to take shots at him for that. That being said, there were plenty of fans who probably deserve some, um, um, some crow. Um, that being said, UVA has got seven positives in terms of players, both um, seven, excuse me, seven, both positives and contact tracing, right? So seven guys are out because of COVID. Um, and there's one full-time assistant coach who also uh, had tested positive and is in isolation and quarantine and such. Um, 
Bronco has chosen the path of being transparent. He said about the numbers, not being transparent about the name. So we're not going to like try to like get into who is what out and blah, blah. I think a lot of it, if you just look at the participation report, you got a pretty good feel for who those um, guys might be. There's really only one that seems to be in a playmaking sort of role, a guy who you could see some tweaks to the game plan because he's out. Um, the question that obviously going into this week is, will there be any guys added and, and how that works? But at least as of this game, it seemed like those losses did not impact Virginia much. Um, I guess let's me just let me just ask a general question to start here. Were you guys surprised when we started hearing um, the rumblings Thursday earlier in the day? Or I guess now it was like early evening. Um, it was like right about dusk um, that, that UVA had some. I was um, on my way to dinner, as a matter of fact. Well, I'm sorry. We, I'm sorry I ruined your dinner, Ferber. It was my bad. That's a good title. I'm sorry I ruined your dinner. Um, so what did you think when you, when you heard that news? Not that surprised. Yeah. I mean, I mean, at the end of the day, like we knew that it was a possibility. It would have been a lot more shocking if it was like 26 people or, you know, something, right? Because then it would have been like, wow, things really got out of hand quickly. Um, I mean, at the, it's an almost unavoidable thing. I mean, you have to give them credit for, for doing a good job managing it up to this point. But at the same time, you know, the virus doesn't discriminate based on what university you go to or, or, you know, it, it does discriminate on how well prepared you are to, to deal with it. Um, and also, you know, like how much work you've done to avoid getting it. But, you know, one, like, we've talked about this all summer. I mean, like one slip up, one stray sneeze, one, I forgot to put my mask on and talk to the wrong person too close, or I forgot to wash my hands after I, you know, walk through the, you know, the building with a bunch of people in it or something. Um, any of that stuff can do it. So I wasn't ultimately that surprised. It's just the initial reaction to that was going from, um, okay, this is the situation. A situation that, by the way, a lot of teams are still kind of dealing with all the time. I mean, we just don't always get those numbers, right? Um, so, I mean, like, there a lot, you know, I said it a couple weeks ago, but like Missouri, you know, they had like seven or eight guys out. Everybody knows what's going on with Virginia Tech. Um, missing a bunch of guys. I, I mean, I'm assuming I don't. I don't know if Clemson had anybody missing for COVID. I know they had some guys that didn't play. Um, I mean, it, you, you immediately go to who has it, how is that going to affect the game, and then who's who is potentially at risk to get it going forward. Um, and then also, is it is is the barn door? You know, is is it too late to close the barn door or whatever that expression is? Um, because it's already kind of making its way through the team, or was this sort of an isolated incident that? Um, you know, somebody maybe got contacted somebody outside the program that had it and hadn't had a ton of exposure to anybody else, um, was asymptomatic and not necessarily spreading, uh, was it one of those situations? And hopefully it is. I mean, so far we haven't heard about any more positives, so, um, hopefully they continue to keep the numbers low and then hopefully they can kind of move on. But that doesn't mean it's not going to pop back up again in two weeks with different players. So you always kind of have to be ready for that and kind of just expect that this, you know, the schedule's always to be determined, and uh, you know, you just hope for the best. Obviously, uh, uh, you say um, <laughs> hope for the best. Dave tends to, in these particular arenas, tends to be the one who kind of prepares for the worst, right? Um, in the sense that, like, before I sent that text, I was very worried that Dave was going to be like, 
um, not quite apoplectic, but close, right? Like I just, I just was like, ah, oh, crap! Like he's gonna lose it. You know what I mean? Like it was just one of those things. Because uh, this is something Dave has been. Is it is it fair to say increasingly worried about? Right? Like the, I think the closer we got to kickoff without any sort of positives on that team, I feel like Dave's um, nerves just grew and grew and grew. They were like the Grinch's heart, you know. Um, once you finally had that, Dave, what did it did? I mean, how worried were you once this all started trickling out? I mean, worried to some extent. Um, I mean, I feel like we talk about it a lot from the, the football perspective, but you know, there, there's a, you know, COVID can be a, can be a bear. Um, generally speaking, college age kids don't get very sick from it, but it's not out of the realm of possibility. Um, being a fan, like I'm a fan of our kids. Um, so, you know, I want to keep them healthy. Like, I mean, it was definitely, when we first heard it, I mean, there was a point, there's a part of me is like, dang it. Like, you know, all you guys are out there running your mouth about how clean we're program we are. You're about to get, you know, get your, get your comeuppance. Um, but look, it's going to happen, especially, you know, we just played a game at home. I'm not saying this is how they got exposed, but you know, there's more people on campus, their family in the stands. These guys have been pretty much in lockdown since early July. Um, doesn't take much. Like, you, you know, you don't, the whole team doesn't have to get in a bus and, you know, go to the beach for the weekend to pick this thing up. It can be 15 minutes talking to, a, you know, talking to a family member in class, 15 minutes without someone wearing their mask. It, it's a pandemic for, you know, it, it's a big deal. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm grateful. It, it doesn't seem to be worse than it was, but that could change tomorrow. And that's kind of the nature of it. Um, by the time we finally got the final numbers, I was sort of relieved because when you, and I think Bronco alluded to it at his press conference, like positive cases are one thing, but positive cases that happen during game week when you're in practice, especially, you know, football practice where you got to be in close contact. Uh, I think Virginia got kind of lucky. It was only seven people. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. And I, well, first I want to echo two things. One, um, I want to make it very clear that when when I when I was joking about Dave being you know worried about it, he was it was never just football. I mean, Dave's got like an epidemiology friend who we've joked about before is basically like created you know Dave is like our go to on all things. He's our special COVID correspondent, right? Um, it was definitely the human aspect, so I don't want to make it seem like that. That's that's not what I was saying. Um, I think the second thing on this is like. There's the human component cannot be lost in all this, right? Like we 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 can think about it just in terms of football, you know, down the road in terms of basketball, right? There are other sports at UVA right now who are having issues with this, right? Volleyball, um, I believe women's soccer um, is having some issues as well. Um, you know, this is like this is a you know a global pandemic, right? So it's it's hitting everywhere. Um, I, I think that it's fair to look at certain situations you know whether it's different programs having issues maybe you know they're not taking they weren't taken seriously you could you know argue about that you certainly can't say that UVA wasn't taking it seriously um it was kind of fascinating to to listen to Bronco on Monday talking about you know what what protocol tweaks they can make to to essentially you know close the hole that they may have um left open inadvertently right um I can tell you that um 
that was the first the Duke game was the first time that these kids had been a, been able to be around family. Um, so it's human to expect that somebody in a family could have been that connection. It's totally possible too that we got to think about it like this, man. Like there is one coach who's positive, right? A lot of these coaches have you know families, right? Lots of kids, you know. Like there's all kinds of places for this to get in, and so the idea that Virginia was going to go like all season without a positive test. I mean, you know, Bronco made a point essentially saying like when they first heard that they were positive, like nobody knew what to do because they were so used to cheering when they heard the test results. Um, I think the fact that they were able to, to, to take the news the way they did to sweat through you know, Bronco, even joked, you know, he hadn't gotten his test back. So he's worried, you know, who's going to coach the team and da, 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 da. Um, but they were able to sweat through all those results, get through contact tracing, get to Clemson and play as well as they did. I mean, you're talking about now, this was Thursday night, so all of the practices for the week are done, right? You might have had a few walkthroughs, but if you needed to make any, like, actual changes to your game plan, you were just doing that sort of on the fly. There was no, like, hey, let's get some reps in. Um, so I thought Virginia did a really nice job of sort of fighting through that distraction, being able to focus and, and, and execute. Um, I thought overall, you know, Brennan Armstrong continues to impress me. Maybe he wasn't perfect. Um, but he does put a lot of good stuff out there. I thought, especially the ground game, you know, w- that was always something I thought Virginia would look to a lot more. Um, but it seems like they're starting to really kind of find a groove. And, you know, it's just two games and one of them being against the number one team in the country. So you got to kind of wait and see. I think we can all agree the third down defense was the, you know, um, the weakest link here. And a big reason why, you know, the result. I guess the not the result itself, because I think we all understood that Virginia was just going to have to get not just play clean and perfect, but also get kind of lucky in order to win this game. So I wouldn't say the result itself, but more of the manner in which that result came to be. Um, a lot of the third, you know, those third down issues were the problem. Dave, how proud of your team were you after this game? Where, where, where are you now in, you know, they're one and one coming back home for state. How did the Clemson game sort of, impact your overall sort of feeling about this team i mean i thought they showed well um definitely some deficiencies that you know a team like clemson can exploit um you know i went in kind of with an open mind knowing you know what clemson is and you know I, i think it's easy as a fan or you know even someone who follows the team to say hey you know they they played clemson a few games ago and Let's see if what they learned, you know, last year helps them this year. Well, you know, that was that was Bryce Perkins, what, like twenty six games into his career at Virginia at that point with Dubois and Reed. Um, offensive line, pretty much the same one. But you know, if you look at the pieces on offense last year, the ones who were playing this year, other than Jana and, and Kemp to some extent, did not have a huge role in that offense. Um, you know, this is Brendan Armstrong's second start. He went from Duke to Clemson. And I thought he showed well, you know, a little just like Duke, a little rusty out of the gate. But I thought he he showed he's got the, you know, the it factor that it takes to be a quarterback. Like, you know, he didn't didn't get rattled. And just like Duke, it seems like the more he took some shots, the more locked in he got. So that's encouraging. Um, defensively, you know, I still think it's a work in progress, but. It's so hard to tell because I thought the defense looked pretty good against Duke other than the one or two slips. Uh, it just seemed like Clemson exploited those one or two slips for much bigger plays. Um, but, yeah, I mean, overall, 
I felt very good about the effort, especially like I think it was what the end of the first half through the first three, two or three drives in the second half. Virginia was pretty much in the red zone every one of them, um, and even early on when they ended up kicking the field goal, like they were down at the ten yard line, so they moved the ball well. This isn't Clemson's defense from last year, but it's still a bunch of five star dudes, you know, including two studs at defensive end. Um, so yeah, I mean, I don't know how you could be anything but but happy with the overall result. Um, yeah, I think it's okay to be a little frustrated. Cause I think Virginia could have made it really, really interesting just playing a cleaner game. Um, take those two turnovers away, and then you get Clemson in a, in a tight situation. Don't don't know if it makes a difference ultimately in the outcome, but you certainly could have made a team who hasn't played deep into a game all year have to sweat a little more. I'm a realist in these situations, right? So I don't think it's you know you can't ask humans to not know the deal, right? And so in a game like this. When things start to go poorly for you, um, I think any time that you're able to kind of right that ship, and I don't care who Clemson had out there, right? I watched that Clemson team warm up. That team was, like, full of dudes, and I don't knock them just because Chase Bryce played at Clemson, all right? Like, that team is full of, like, really talented dudes. I don't care if they're starters or not. So the fact that Virginia was down, what, 24-3 to in this game and then managed to not necessarily – you know, they never got – you know, they never got within a score – um, but they they kept plugging. Now, granted, that was what three minutes and some odd seconds or something um, left in the second quarter when that when they were up when they were down twenty four three. So there was a lot of game left. And I mean, you know, you got to play. You don't they don't give you a choice. You know, like you don't get to just go home. But I just thought that Virginia's resiliency to be able to go out there and continue to to kind of push it. Um, you do get the sense that if they don't throw that pick in the end zone in the second half that maybe the maybe the results not different and maybe the margins not even different but the way you felt about the game could be different is that sort of where you were Ferber like had they not you know had they come down there and scored you know and made it um what would that have been 20 24 17 they would have gotten within um yeah the score how, how did, what is what, what would that have meant to you if, if that's the way it had gone down yeah, I mean, you know, like a, a little while after that, um, the touchdown to Thompson, right? Like um, that sort of felt like a smaller version of what that would have been like if they had scored there because that made it 27 to 17, I think. Um, and I remember <laughs> Dave tweeting the uh, Michael Corleone and <laughs> Godfather 3 gif <laughs> um, just when you thought I, just when I thought it was how they pulled me back in or whatever. Um, exactly yeah and I mean like that even then it was like they're probably not going to come back and win this game but it was cool just to be within 10 it was like okay this is a competitive game they're at least playing up to the level they need to play at to win or come close or be competitive um yeah I think I don't want to put too much on that exact moment because I think you just hit it like I don't know if it really changes the result that much um you EVA still behind Clemson it's still going to be able to score points. Uh, you know, it, that last touchdown maybe doesn't happen either if the game is, is closer just because of the way the game was playing out. But um, I, I think that this game was, I, I'm not a big believer necessarily in moral victories. Um, like if Clemson had played the worst game ever and UVA lost by three, um, but UVA didn't play very well, I would be like, okay, well, they just got really lucky that Clemson was really off. Um but that's not really what happened. Clemson, I wouldn't say they played their best game. Um, like, if you go back and look at the numbers and stuff, 
Uh, Trevor Lawrence was was fine. He wasn't. He was good, but he wasn't as good as he can be, right? So, I mean, you can just go back to last December if you want to see how good he can be. Um, but, I mean, I think that UVA had some chances that they let go that I'm not saying they would have flipped the result because I think that's a little naive. Um, but I think that it would have at least given them, made Clemson kind of work a little harder to win, um, if nothing else, and maybe given them a little bit more confidence going into the second half. But I think the first interception was just as big as the second one. Um it just kind of, I think the second one hurt a little bit more because it felt like they had just scored and, and it, right before halftime and had a chance to go back down and do it again. But the first interception put Clemson up 24 to 3. Um, so, I mean, they both were pretty costly, I think, at the end of the day. But yeah, I mean, I think that those plays hurt and then all the third down conversions, like you mentioned. Okay. One, one thing that really impressed me, um, not just, you know, after the interception, but so. But into the first half, like three minutes left is when Clemson scores to make it 24-3. Virginia gets the ball back and does nothing. Um, they go like three and out, if I remember correctly. I'm trying to pull it up. But um, yeah, right after Clemson goes up 24-3, to Virginia gets the ball three plays, four yard, five yards, and punts to Clemson, who they then hold three plays, no yards. And Clemson punts to Virginia with like a minute and 20 to go. Uh, Virginia gets the ball to the 35, and the very first play, Brennan gets sacked. So it's like a minute, you know, I think they called timeout after that. But then three plays, touchdown. And, you know, and I think it was like 28 seconds. So I think I'm trying to remember the first pass, but there was a Kemp pass in there, and then the Jana touchdown. I think Davis had a big reception too. But those three plays in the score, to me, like that was pretty impressive. Um, and I think that that one little that one little um, flurry kind of carried over to the second half where you saw him throw the interception in the red zone. And then they kind of rose up and kept Clemson from scoring a touchdown with that one uh, and then came back and made it 27-17. to 17. Um, But, yeah, I, mean, I thought all night they answered. It's just, you know, those two turnovers just came at really bad times, you know. One thing I thought was um, particularly interesting to me, at least, was that – I don't know if I mean this happens a lot more in basketball, right? Where you have these teams that just seem to play well against other teams, and for whatever reason, you know, matchups and the way things mesh, you know, this team plays well against that team, but heaven forbid this team play this other team because they're gonna get waxed. But then, you know what I mean? Like, there's all you, you can almost like throw the transitive properties out of the um, window sometimes. Um, I don't know if it's is a situation where Virginia is just good at you know its offense just fits well with kind of what. Um, seems to stymie Clemson's defense or what. Um, <laughs> if if we get a chance to see them again in 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 in, in a different um, in a different matchup, um, that'll mean good things for for Virginia. Obviously, otherwise it'll be a while. Um, but I I did kind of think like in looking at this game, it certainly felt like in some ways that Virginia not necessarily like had Clemson's number. I'm not trying to be dramatic here, but it did seem like they're they're good at moving the ball against them. Um, now I don't know how much that's going to, you know, translate to, you know, whether it's stayed on Saturday or the rest of the season, but I think for a lot of folks coming out of this game, you know, you feel pretty good about it. Last question on Clemson guys. What, how do you feel? Has this changed fundamentally? Um, you know, the way you look at the season, I mean, I think everybody understood this was going to be a loss. The question was just how, and the specifics had to be ironed out. Did this game in any way 
maybe even because Armstrong played well, but it did, did this game and anything within it change sort of the way you look at UVA season? Ferber, let's go with you first. Um, not dramatically because I already was sort of optimistic. I think if anything, it kind of underscored that they're not going to, unless this game was an aberration, they're not going to be bad, right? Like they're not a bad team. So any idea that they were going to take like a huge drop off from, from last year, I think is out the window barring a bunch of injuries. Um, they just, Clemson's not going to let you stay even as close as they did unless they play really bad. Like they're just, they're just going to run steamroll you if you come out and aren't good. Like they're going to destroy you and be done by halftime. Um, UVA hung around. I mean, they were down, like we said, 10 in the second half and they moved the ball a lot. I, I don't have the exact numbers in front of me, but they moved the ball better than almost anybody against this team. And, um, over the last couple of years and had 400 plus yards of offense and, Brennan, I, again, I mean, I think that the slow start is sort of concerning because it's two in a row. Um, but other than that, I mean, he really shrugged it off. I mean, shrugged it off and, and played well, especially ran the ball well, um, too, and made some really nice throws down the field. Um, definitely didn't seem out of place. So, I mean, I think overall, if anything, it, yeah, I feel maybe a little bit more positive about UVA than I did prior to Saturday. Um, considering that, they didn't play as well as they could have, and they still didn't get like you know walk you know they didn't get walked all over by Clemson. So, I think you got to feel pretty good about it. And they came out relatively healthy. So, what about you, Dave? Yeah, I mean, I'd say pretty similar. Um, I'm definitely more confident in the offense than I was even coming out of the Duke game because I wanted to see if that was just a fluke. Like, I mean, I think Davis did it against you know against Clemson too. Um, you know, showed up and made some big plays Armstrong he's a slow starter they got to figure that out because you don't want to you know continue to come out of the gate struggling but I can't remember who it was that tweeted his fourth quarter stats but it's like 17 for 21 in the fourth quarter it might have been Bennett Conlon um so <laughs> we've got to figure that part out so positives like I think the offense is probably a little further ahead than where I expected them to be two games into the season Defense may be a tad behind where I'd hope they'd be, um, especially kind of figuring out, you know, we talked about with the Duke game, like that middle, covering that middle, covering the middle of the field, tight end passes or crossing routes um, that require the linebackers to get depth continues to be uh, something they need to work on. Um, and it seemed like when they made adjustments for that, Clemson really attacked them with the, just a little flare pass, passes to, you know, to the, that quick little running back, I can't even remember his name. Um, <laughs> that reigning two-time just, ACC player of the year guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's kind of good. Also, yeah, what so, a coup by them to get him to come back because nobody thought he was going to even yeah, be there this yeah. year. Yeah. I thought that about what was that crazy times stat you shared, Ferber, about him? Oh, yeah. So <laughs> I, think it, I think it made its way into the film room, which will be out tomorrow. Oh, Obviously, okay. we're recording this early, but um, – <laughs> So Travis Etienne, I believe he had 114 yards receiving. He actually had 128 yards after the catch, which means that like he had a bunch of catches behind the line of scrimmage. So he gained more yards than he actually gained receiving yards. His average and his average yards after the catch was 25.6. Um, um, and and the good. crazy thing is, and the crazy thing is, it's not like you know, like last year UVA played them right. And they got beat over the top a lot where he was like, man, they just can't cover these guys, right? It wasn't that. It was just he caught it underneath, and then he ran by everybody. Yeah. <laughs> or he caught it underneath, yeah. 
and then he broke a bunch of tackles. Yeah, and then and, ran, and, and then went through some people. And not to step all over the film room, but it's a mixture of hey, they really wish they could get those tackle, you know, missed tackles back because um, they could have really, you know, got off the field a few times. Because some of these, I mean, some of the missed tackles were like seventeen yards to gain to get a first down, and he still got it. Um, oh yeah. I mean, the Devontae Cross one, he went 46 yards on the play, and he, the missed tackle was, like, at the line of scrimmage. Um, and it was, like, third and 17. But, yeah, but also, I mean, so it's a few of those, but honestly, more it was more just, like, Clemson makes you drop everybody into coverage on third and long, and then they dump it off, and the guy is so athletic that he can just beat you to the sticks. Like, it's him against linebackers, and he's just going to beat you there. And if he doesn't beat you there, he's going to break the tackle. So... I mean, it, it wasn't – a lot of teams – like, if NC State tries that this week, I don't think they're going to be converting a lot of those, if that makes any sense. I don't know, man. Ricky Person yeah. has a has a history <laughs> yeah. in UVA. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no disrespect yeah. to him or any other running yeah, back UVA is going to play this year, but I just don't see that happening very often. Yeah, ETN is a special dude. Yeah. I mean, then, they were doing give up plays like like uh, you know, we'll just take the take the five yards and punt, and they were getting conversions. So <laughs> that's yeah, not going to happen very often. I mean that third and seventeen play, he he had like five dudes right at him at the line of scrimmage, and every one of them missed. Is incredible, but you know, adding that, I mean, Trevor Lawrence had two big runs in the game, and like that doesn't sound like much, but that just that yeah. makes you freeze one beat with a guy like Etn. Like, what are you gonna do? There's not much you can do. Yeah, Lawrence is um, is just crazy, dude. Like he is, and yep. I don't think this is not a slight to him. I don't think he had a great game. I think nah, he yeah. just took some easy passes. He had some open guys downfield and you just the problem I mean, is I guess if you don't get, get home yards a catch. Yeah. that's the problem is too if you don't get home on him he's beating you like 100 oh, percent. his ball placement is too good like he's just gonna find the guy and beat you like it's just really tough yeah and although their defense wasn't you know isn't quite at the level they well it's nowhere near where they were at the end of last year but it'll probably be there by the end of this one their dbs made two really really big plays that swung the games not just i'm not talking about not even that first interception the, the interception to Davis that, on the ball to Davis was a, a great individual play. The ball is underthrown. They could have maybe gone back shoulder or high, you know, we throw it much higher. But there was another play. I think it was a fourth down to Poljan like late in the game. Um, yeah. And he had his guy beat, and the ball was decently thrown. The guy just timed his, like, it could have been a little higher for his big tight end. But, you know, his, his defender just made a play one handed running you know, with a, a step behind and, and made a play. So that's what teams do. I think Bronco talked about it in the post game. It, it's you know, when you look at teams like Virginia basketball, like they always do the right thing in the right moment to, you know, doesn't seem like much at the time, but those add up. And uh, Clemson's got experience now. They've beaten a few teams, I hear. <laughs> yeah. Won some games. Um, so, yeah, so let's 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 turn the page and um, move forward to this weekend's matchup against NC State. I mentioned earlier a little bit of Jekyll Hyde in, in, these, in this group. Now, some of that's COVID-related. Obviously, Devin Leary um, was their starter at the end of 2019, went to spring ball before it got canceled as a starter. Um, but then he missed, what was it, like two weeks of practice or whatever. I don't know if he was actually – he wasn't positive, right? He was just contact tracing, I think. Um, so he, I have no idea. He didn't play in their opener against wake came off the bench. I think he threw a TD at tech and then started in the pit game with today one. Um, this is an interesting matchup to me in the sense of like, I have no idea who NC state is. And I mean, maybe this is just sort of a function of COVID, right? Like Duke, it was the opener, but Duke had lost a couple games. So that was just weird. Um, 
Clemson, you're playing Clemson. I mean, come on, right? The rest of the schedule, I mean, you you think that there are a couple of good teams in here or whatever, right? Folks probably think at this point, you know, they're waiting to see on Miami. You know, most people, I think, assume Carolina's pretty good. Um, you know, everybody else, maybe Boston College at the end of the year could be a tough one just because that seems to be a team that, that is getting it getting it stuffed straight. Um, I'm, I have no idea what to make of NC State. Uh, Dave, do you have any idea what to make of NC State? Um. I have a little better idea, but it, you know it's a small sample size because, like I said, Leary did. They're a much better team with Leary at quarterback, like way better. Um, I don't quite know what they are defensively because Pitt kind of looked. I mean, you can only really go off the Pitt game. You can see the end of the Tech game, but at that point, it's hard to extrapolate how much Tech was trying um, after having pounded NC State in the ground up to that point. Uh, but against Pitt, like. Leary definitely has good control of the offense. They do a lot of what we saw from Clemson. They they throw the ball to pe- person in the flat a lot. I think Knight is the other running back. They hit him a little bit. Mm-hmm. They throw a lot of back shoulder stuff down the sidelines. And Leary's a very good quarterback, and he's got wheels. Like he's a little faster than Trevor Lawrence. Like he's not an elite athlete. He's I'd say he might even be a tad faster than Armstrong, just not as big. Um, and he, he's a willing runner. It's just not what he wants to do first. So. Offensively, you're gonna to have to be disciplined. Um, they certainly attack the middle of the field. Not, that's gonna be my <laughs> podcast hate... theme until we figure that <laughs> I out. I was gonna say that. Um, I feel like I've heard a little bit about that. Yeah. So, I mean, they certainly do some things that you know are gonna present a challenge. Now, defensively, they play a lot of three-three-five, and they're you know they'll, they'll go a little bit bigger in in short stuff. But um, you know, no one really stands out other than they got it couple really big defensive linemen and they're aggressive and they blitz a lot um send their safeties a lot so you're gonna have to be clean and offensive lines gonna have to communicate well but i see like i think we were joking in our text because uh, the total in this game is now like 64 points which sounds absurd but after watching their offense against pitt um and watching their defense i can see like may- maybe that's not an absurd number um but yeah I think again. I keep. I always say Broncos right, but I, mean, I think he said in the pocket in his press conference. It's so weird. You don't have a point of reference for NC State because they have different coordinators and different people since the last time we played them. And to be honest, like if you watch the Wake game and then watch them against Pitt, yeah, they're like two, totally two different, different yeah. two different things. Yeah, yeah. Ferb, what do you think? Do you do you have a good sense of who NC State is at this point? Um, not exactly. I, I think that recency bias and and just the fact that they've played three games one two and lost one and they've their offense has been pretty competent in all three um ex- uh, for a long part of that tech game i guess that's not true but um i i think they're a team that can score points uh i think what dave said is true like they have a it's not just you know what they do with their receivers but it's a a, a variety of different kinds of weapons they have you know thayer thomas who's kind of a nice slot guy that can catch a bunch of balls around the line of scrimmage. They, uh, Amezi, who actually played against UVA two years ago and did really well. Um, Angeline, the tight end, um, is actually a guy that UVA recruited, um, and he visited for a game. I can't remember when, but I remember he was a transfer that UVA was interested in um, a few years ago. And, and and their quarterback play, like Dave said, has been better. And you look at the numbers, I was digging into it before we started recording, and, and Leary especially has been very good against pressure, um, 
very solid. He doesn't have an interception this year. Um, you know, it's it's interesting last year because it's that team wasn't very good last year. I know a lot of UVA fans probably didn't follow them because they're in the Atlantic and UVA wasn't playing them. But, you know, they took a really big step back after the team that UVA played two years ago with Ryan Finley and Kelvin Harmon and Jacoby Myers and all those guys. Um, and last year was sort of a rebuild where, where they just – they didn't really know what they wanted to do at quarterback for a while. Um, it seems like Leary was the guy at the end of the year, but you know Hockman was in the mix, and they had another quarterback that McKay, I think his name was, that transferred out. Um, it just they couldn't really figure it out, and they just lost a lot of guys to the NFL. I mean, over the last few years, and I think that's what really hurt them. You know, they had all those running backs before that could hurt you in different ways, versatile guys, a bunch of receivers, an NFL quarterback, a bunch of guys on defense that went pro. Um, and I think eventually it just kind of caught up to them and they just had a young team. Um, Dave's right on defense. They look pretty similar to what they've done. I mean, Doran's kind of a guy that has a scheme on that side of the ball and, and it, we're going to see it again. I'm not sure how good their defense is just because, um, you know, they've played three teams that are sort of up and down. I, I think Virginia tech has a good offense, um, at least running the ball. So them giving up a bunch of points to them doesn't really surprise me, but that could be the blueprint for UVA to beat them. If they can't stop the run, UVA's got um, an improved running game, uh, some improved offensive line play, and a quarterback that can run it. So I think that could be a big advantage. But um, Dave mentioned the total. I, I think that a big part of that total is Vegas just doesn't respect NC State's defense um, so far. And and I think the line, I mean, looking at NC State, especially what they did last week, it feels a little high to me, um, nine and a half. But Obviously, usually Vegas is on to something, so I think they think it's going to be a high-scoring game, and, and they expect UVA to win it. I uh, When I was digging into the numbers, the rushing to- – the defensive – like the, their rushing uh, defense numbers are just kind of unreal, right? Like Tech ran for like a million yards against them. Yeah. Um, and, so and they I- were – I mean, I watched that game. The holes were massive. I mean, it was ridiculous. So I don't and, – and I don't know if – you know, I don't think – you know, Pitt didn't obviously run for a million or anything. But it was definitely a situation where I thought as, – as I was looking more into it, I was like, all right, if if Virginia's running game is for real, right, and Bronco continues to talk about the offensive line and, you know, they continue to grade pretty well and, you know, it does – you do get the sense of, like, they're, they're pretty good in short yardage situations for the first time in a long time. Um, seems like maybe they found a five um, in positions at work. Um this is going to be a good test because this is a game I think Virginia should ha- should be able to run the ball. And uh, if you can't do that against this team on Saturday, um, then maybe the, you know, the um, – I don't want to say hype. That's not really fair. Um, the conversation, at least, about the offensive line and, and that being an, an asset for once um, was a little bit premature. Um, what about what about this matchup do you like, Dave? What When you look at the advantages maybe Virginia has here, what what stands out to you? Number one is not Clemson. That that's a plus. Um, <laughs> secondly, There's no like, Travis Etienne on the other sideline. <laughs> yeah, I mean Virginia's got more film to look at. You know, um, NC State's played three games, and Virginia's familiar with you know two of their most recent opponents, um, and can kind of see how to scheme off that. I do think the one thing I have, like NC State played really well against Pitt, but Pickett's kind of a pocket quarterback. They beat Wake despite what was it, forty-five to forty-two or something ridiculous. Um, but yeah, you know, Sam Hartman's not a big threat to get out and run for a lot of yards. Um, Virginia Tech with the running quarterbacks, they seem to struggle against. So I was trying to figure out why that was watching the pick game, and I did notice that you know State's got a couple of linebackers that are 
kind of run stoppers that they had they brought in a lot in run yardage because obviously you can just concentrate on the running back so brennan armstrong could have a big game may have to have a big game just to keep him honest um be able to use some read option stuff but uh, you know offensively i, I like the match you know virginia can exploit against them um just because you know you're starting to look at virginia's offense i mean They've got some real weapons. If you think, you know, Armstrong can attack you with his feet, you've got a, a running game that, you know, I still wish we were, I still think we're, you know, a nice a little quick to get away from running the ball. Um, and at heart, he's a, he's a pass first offensive coordinator, but you know, I think teams like NC state, you could really hammer them um, and set up the pass, make it a little easier. So being, you know, willing to rush the ball, um, and then, you know, you got Poljan, you got Davis who's emerging, you got Kemp who's stepping up, and Janet. Like, you've got some real weapons that you can, you need to make other teams react to. And I think we'll continue to see that. Um, defensively, like, yeah, hopefully seeing ETN will help. Um, like I said, some of the stuff we're going to see from State is similar. It's just not quite as good. Um, maybe that's all it takes. What do you think, Ferber? Yeah, to your last point, I actually think there is sort of a tipping point with an offense like with NC State's or, or Clemson's where, you know, you can run the same stuff, but if you're like 80% is effective or 90% is effective, the defense can stop all of it because they're not worried about like backbreaking stuff. So they can kind of just let everything sit in front of them. I don't know about NC State. I mean, they have some pretty good players and a good quarterback, it seems so, or a quarterback that's at least playing well. Um and it's funny, like you look at individual matchups, they are all over the place. I'm looking at their pro football focus grades right now. Um, pass blocking last week against Pitt was 80.6, which is good. It's like dark green. <laughs> um, the week before against Virginia Tech, it was 14.5, which is the lowest I have ever seen. I can't believe how low that is. And then against Wake, it was 50. So like right in the middle of those two. And, you know, like, same with their run defense, 46.4 against Wake, 45.42.5 or 42.5 against Virginia Tech, and 85 last week against Pitt. Um, if, if, if you're looking at the grades, and maybe part of the grades are factoring in how good Pitt had played up to that point, that game almost seems like the outlier as opposed to the other two. And I know that they're trying to get some guys back from COVID and all that stuff, um, so they might be a little bit stronger than they were three, four weeks ago. Um but I really think like their run defense and all that stuff, if you look at the body of work, they're at least inconsistent at best, you know, maybe they're getting better. Um, but it, it just seems to me like that the, the, the offense and defensive lines might be areas where UVA can exploit. Um, Virginia Tech and UVA don't run the same defense, but they both like to bring exotic blitz pressures and different things like that. And you in tech obviously had a, a, you know, field day against them. If their grade was that low, I don't know exactly how many sacks they had. Um, so UVA might be able to replicate that success after going up against an offensive line last week that really doesn't allow much um, in terms of pressure. Uh, I think that could be the difference, right? I mean, if UVA gets home on some of these blitzes and is able to get pressure on a quarterback that really has done well against it so far, um, maybe they can they can get him turned over and, and something that he hasn't dealt with, uh, he hasn't turned the ball over. Um, you know, you can you can really flip the game. If you can't and you give him a lot of time to throw, I mean, if you guys watched the end of that Pitt-NC State game last week, he picked them apart um, on that game-winning touchdown drive. So it's going to come down probably yeah. to how well UVA runs the ball against their front and then how well they get after the quarterback, I would say. All right, let's uh, 
let's let's uh, let's do the let's do the thing we do. All right, Dave. In the preseason, uh, you had Virginia, I believe, winning this game thirty. Sorry, that was me. Thirty-seven fourteen. Am I wrong? Is that you? Yes, that is you. Wait, that's Ferber. Yeah, 31, right. 30, <laughs> 31 17. 31 7. Wow, Brad. Oh, yeah, no, no. 31-7. 31-7. I didn't. All right. I've sure. got That's what I, I honestly it looks <laughs> it honestly it looks like 30 311 to 7 and I'm going to guess it one of those ones was superfluous. Um yeah, but anyway, what do you think now? Score. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean I think it'll be closer than that. Um I mean I looked something up just as an aside. I wanted to see like is there a hangover effect from playing Clemson? Um so I looked did last year, obviously they played eight regular season conference games. Do you have any idea what their record, the, their opponent's record was the week after? Oh no, tell me. Six and two. Oh, yeah, which is kind of crazy. Um, that's the real, that's the post Clemson relief. <laughs> yeah, and the two that lost were Florida State losing to Wake and um, uh, NC State lost to Louisville. NC State lost to everyone last year, so yeah. Um, but yeah, so I guess there's not. It's that like making everyone else look normal speed, I guess, a factor. Um, now, I mean, I think it'll be the weather can be a little iffy depending on the way the hurricane goes. So we got to keep that in mind. I mean, that could be some significant rain, but um, like I, I, I like what Virginia's doing offensively. Um, I'd see, I have a hard time seeing NC State keeping them from scoring um, unless they're just sloppy with the ball. So I think, I think if they can get out, let Brennan run some early, um, get him lathered up, lean on the run game a little bit, um, be good against the run, get, be sound against the run defensively so you can force Leary into some obvious passing situations so you can confuse him with some looks. Now, you know, Pitt gets home, but Pitt gets home with a lot of normally with their defensive line, which is kind of makes that run, <laughs> that run blocking, I mean, that pass blocking grade sound even crazier. Because Pitt's got one of the better defensive lines in the country, um, so you know, keeping it closely, you can do that kind of thing. And I, I think Virginia will, but I think NC State's going to be able to score some points. Um, Virginia's got to do a better job tackling, especially in the back end. If, you know, I'm not, you know what else they need to fix. I don't need to say it again. Um, but yeah, I, mean, I like them to win. I, I, I'd probably take the over if I was betting this game. After having watched more, so I'm going to go Virginia 42 to 28, um, high scoring affair, turnover or two probably decides it. And I forgot we're not doing percentage thing, are we? Uh, no, but we were supposed to be doing the headline the next day. And I do. I would like to bring that back because I do think that's fun. And mm. who knows? Every once in a while, I might get a blind squirrel and be like, "Oh, Lavelle Davis, what's up?" Um, there's yeah, not one reference of yeah. it to, on, on this podcast. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's what I've allowed myself is I'm only allowed to mention it. Yeah, you made it. So you made it. You know, I, pretty look, far we're, into the. Report. We're 47 minutes in. I did pretty well. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, so yeah, give me what your headline would be is going to be the next day. Um, it'll be um, Armstrong in the offense. Yeah, I don't know. It'll be something about the offense. They score 42 <laughs> points. Man, good thing Dave doesn't. Not have a lot headlines. of faith in the headline. Yeah, writers. really, buddy. You you got him. You got him scoring how many points? 40 what? 42. You got to score 42 points. Can't even put words together about like what it might, you know. Okay, fine. Ferber in the preseason, you had uh, UVA winning this 37 to 14 with, I believe, a 70% chance of a win. Um, how you feeling now? 
Yeah, I mean, you can kind of tell from our scores that we didn't think NC State's offense was going to be very good. <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, I, I think, like Dave said, I think it'll be a little bit um, higher scoring than maybe we thought in the preseason. Uh, I certainly don't have a lack of respect for NC State after watching them play a few times, but it's hard to... It, it's it's just those two results the last two weeks are very like juxtaposed. Like that Virginia Tech game, I was like, Virginia Tech's either really good, which they could be, um, or NC State is bad, very bad on defenses particularly. They looked you know completely out of sorts, and then they go and beat Pitt, which I honestly might say just as much about Pitt as it does anything else because Pitt does this every year to someone. You know they lose a random game um, at noon at home um, on the ACC network. Uh, I think that UVA wins. I think that it's a high-scoring game um, or a higher-scoring game. I think that Brandon Armstrong needs to take better care of the ball. Um, the, you can't turn the ball Ooh, over twice. We haven't talked much about that, and that's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he has four interceptions. Um, I'm not trying to say, like, I don't think it's going to be a thing all year long, but um, I would say – one of them was kind of just a throwaway interception, not a big deal. The first one against Duke. The second one against Duke was just, uh, you know, a poor decision, uh, clearly. And then the first one against uh, Clemson was a bad ball and a poor decision. And then the third one or the fourth one was just an underthrown deep ball and a great play by the DB. Um, I think he can. I think he can pick that up. So I, I want to see him play a, a cleaner game. Um, but if he keeps putting the yards up, I mean, he can offset some of those turnovers. So. Um, yeah, I think UVA wins. I'll, I'll go 34-24. Um, a little bit low score, lower scoring than Dave, I think. But I think that'll still play out to be a pretty high-scoring game. And and I think the the headline will be um, – I think it's going to be Wayne Talapapa. I think Wayne Talapapa is going to have a nice game. Um, I'm going to say he gets three touchdowns in the win. Um, he, he loves those red zone carries. So I think he's going to have a game kind of like he had against Duke last year where he just keeps scoring. You, you sort of stole my thunder a little bit. Um, all right, two things. One is I, I I think that there's a lot to be said for the idea of you know you know the whole you know playing Clemson and then playing after them. I I do think that there's um you know Bronco talking about the lack of like familiarity. I think that's a that's a real thing. Um, so I'm I'm curious to see how the how things sort of um flesh out here. Um. I, I don't want to make too big of Ruffin McNeil being there. Um, but I think that there is, you know, that's a, a realistic aspect of, you know, I mean, he's a guy who has intimate knowledge of UVA system. All right. Now, granted, that was several years ago at this point. Um, but I mean, it's a factor, right? I, I think Virginia's offense is still going to have plenty of success. I think the running game is still going to be pretty good. Um, I, I don't necessarily worry that Virginia's not going to be able to slow State's offense down. I do think that the middle of the field thing could be a lingering issue. And if I'm NC state, that's, that's something I want to go after. Um, you know, they, they've got some good skill guys and Leary, I think is a pretty solid quarterback. Um, but I also think that Virginia's going to throw some stuff at him. He's probably never seen. And this, I think Virginia, Virginia's defense tends to do pretty well against guys who don't have a lot of experience. Right. Um, so I, I fully expect they're going to um, do some weird stuff. Um, you know, a lot of guys standing up, that kind of thing. Um, but Ferber's point about Talapapa, look, I don't, I keep thinking that the Shane Simpson game is out there. Um, and I feel like maybe this is the Shane Simpson game. Um, not necessarily because, you know, he's the only one running. I don't think he's going to get like, you know, 28 touches or anything crazy, but I do think he's going to have a lot of success. 
Um, so I, I had in the preseason, I had Virginia win this thing 31-20. Give me 38-24. to 24. Um, that, that line is weird to me for some reason. Maybe it's just because I'm not used to UVA being a favorite you know, of that magnitude. But I do think Virginia wins it. Um, and, and even though I think it, that this is one of those games that if it was later in the season, I, I probably would feel a little differently. But as of now, um, and, you know, going on what we know, uh, maybe NC State gets, you know, some dudes back or whatever. Um, and that defensive, um, those defensive Russian numbers go down. Um, also, also, you mentioned the, or the Clemson, like, week, next week, kind of, like, how, did, what, how does that affect things? Like, I think just as big of a factor is playing Pitt and then playing someone else. Like, they always have, like, really physical fronts. Um, they always run the ball a lot. Like, you're going you're gonna to get beat up in those games. So I think that that could have just as much of an effect on, on an opponent as playing Clemson. My headline in the next day is going to be the Shane Simpson game of some description. I don't think they're going to say the Shane Simpson game, but you know, I just think it's going to be about Simpson breaking out. Um, yeah. I mean, they're definitely not going to say the Brennan Armstrong in the offense or whatever. <laughs> Brennan Armstrong in the offense or whatever is a, is a long, but yeah. potentially... Um, well, they've made a lot of cuts in the newspapers. You don't know. That could be what it says. <laughs> <laughs> they've made a lot of cuts. <laughs> Um, yeah. So the, the zombie season, um, as it was, right? So previously, Virginia was um, was supposed to have what? Let's see. Where'd it go? Um, so they should have played North Carolina, and then they should be uh, on a bye this week before they get ready to go to a two-game road um, trip, first to Georgia Tech and then to Old Dominion. Who I believe Colin Cowherd or was it Colin Cowherd who said he didn't even know they had a football team or something like that. Um, so I think we yeah, all, those games aren't happening. Yeah, <laughs> we'd all feel pretty good about um, UVA going to Atlanta, but that's next week. So this week they would be off, so we'd feel good about them being off, and we'd have a whole random conversation about now that Virginia was five games into its season. Um, you know, presumably, you know whether they won, lost to against Carolina, we'd, we'd uh, you know that would have been a good podcast. We wouldn't have had probably any Lavelle Davis talk. But, you know, hey, they can't all be winners. Um, speaking of, how about my boy, huh? Yeah. How about that? All of our guys. Can all we, of our guys are real. We, we picked some good guys this year. Yeah, we did. Can we get a prop bet update, though? Because as much as I love taking the victory lap about Lavelle, and, I mean, if he goes out there and, and you know, <laughs> catches two touchdowns again, y'all, y'all are just going to have to deal with it. But I do deserve to eat some crow. I want, Ferber, I want you to read the list of names of dudes <laughs> that I said in a moment of absolute insanity. All the names of guys I said uh, who were going to score touchdowns in 2020. All right. I have, I'm pulling up the sheet. <laughs> um, it's, it's, it's amazing, guys. It's amazing. I think it starts yeah. with Brian Delaney. <laughs> <laughs> well, you never know. He's got a better chance than some of the guys he said. So. Um at least Fair. he gets near the ball. That's true. That's, <laughs> um, yeah, that's true. Yeah, so there's a few pop prop bets that are done, by the way. So, obviously, first touchdown of the season was an Armstrong rush for four yards. Um, I had Armstrong six-yard rush. Um, so, I'm closest to the pin on that one, I yeah, guess. Yeah, I was going to say, I didn't, I, didn't, I, I didn't know that the, the, the specifics were part of the – I thought you just got it for Armstrong. Nah, I think it was just making it more interesting. So, I, I'm going to give myself that one. Yeah, was you pretty should. Close. You should definitely give yourself that one. Yeah. Even though you I got the player, it, right. you know, you, you I got the player right team. and the type of touch. That's true, you did. Um, and then program like uh, newcomers to start the first game. Uh, I had the under. 
I was the only one who had the under, and it was under. It was under two and a half. The starters were Rayshon Henry and Tony Poljan. So, um, and then quarterbacks to throw a pass were already over <laughs> two and a half, <laughs> um, three in the first game. So, um, yeah, let me go through where all these guys you said were going to score a touchdown. All right, ready? This is in order that you said them too. So you're going to feel like you were kind of all over the map with this. Billy Kemp, no. Brandon Armstrong, yes, he has scored. Darius Bratton has not. Um, Terrell Janna, yes. Rayshon Henry, no. Uh, Wayne Talapapi, yes. Shane Simpson, no. Lavelle Davis, yes. Demick Starling, no. Um, is it De- Demick or Demick? Demick. Do we have a ruling on that? Okay, yes, Demick. Cool. Yeah. That's good. That'll yeah. be good to know for down the road. Uh, Nick Grant, no. Uh, Tony Poljohn, yes. Josh Rawlings, no. Keaton Thompson, yes. So you're like halfway there. All right. Uh, but somehow you're going to need Darius Braden and <laughs> Nick Grant and Josh so, Rawlings. So tell and me which one. All right, come on now. Let's 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 have some fun at my expense. What which one do you think is the most egregious? Braden. Yeah. I mean, it's not that it's not like that crazy to me, but he's not even like one of the starting corners right now. No, I mean, so, we're two games of the season, so it's, you know, you never know. I mean, anything can happen against Abilene Christian. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, like you never know. Josh Rawlings too. I mean, I don't think he's played um, at all. So, and Rayshon Henry, as you mentioned in your three-two-one, hasn't had a catch yet. So, um, yeah. I mean, I think he'll get there, but. I think the most interesting thing is just going to be tracking our guys because all of our guys are killing it right now. Listen, you um, keep trying to do this thing where y'all try to, where you or Dave try to make it sound like your guys are just as like on the same level. Okay, as my, my guy. guy leads the ACC in catches per game. Okay, that's He's great. He's not not bad. Listen, when I picked my guy, you literally went, "Wow!" Like, you, yeah, you were flabbergasted. You, you just went. You took a. You took more of an impressive risk. <laughs> Um, yeah, but there was passion yeah. in it, right? There was a passion in the risk that you didn't take. You took essentially like the second most experienced receiver on the <laughs> team, right? Yeah. And I don't true. even know. Did you pick first? Like you took like it, it was like you can't you you win a fantasy no, league think, because Christian I, I McCaffrey Tony is blowing Polchan, it up. I mean, I think, come on. I think Tony Polchan went first, and he's doing yeah. well too. He yeah, has seven true. catches for yeah, sixty nine yards and touchdown. I'm just saying there was but, more I passion mean, in, in previous, my pick. In previous years, we would have had dudes that weren't doing anything. Like yeah, I mean, I went on. Terrell Chapman would have been somebody's dude <laughs> last year. He was my dude last year. Yeah. <laughs> I like how I'm just, just now just applaud listen, the successes of all of them. Can we can we talk about real quick? Yeah. I don't think I actually took as big a victory lap about Lavelle in the actual podcast after he went ham than I did tonight, mm-hmm. which is kind of ironic. I think I was more scared well, of Clemson than anything else, honestly. I, I think the thing is too, like I think Clemson. I guess you could say they did a better job on him, but he still had two catches for 58 yards. Like, um, I think he had like seven targets. So at some point, Brennan's I mean, gonna Brennan's gonna realize he just needs to throw it a lot higher. You know what I mean? Like yeah. he's, he's, throw it, like throw the crap out of it. You can't overthrow that. Yeah, you wait till they work in some back shoulder at the end zone where the DB has to guess which one he's got to cover. Yeah, then this game over. Yeah. Well, also I think yeah I think you're right though. I think that's the big thing is like, and he did a really good job on that last touchdown like, to pull Jan. That was a really well thrown ball. Was I didn't really realize it. I didn't really realize how good of a throw it was until I went back and watched it again. Um, it's like that, that was cliche. Like really, really well done. You know that cliche yeah. that they're always like, "Oh, he, you know, he put it in a place that only his guy could catch it." That was literally the the, the place where only mm-hmm. Tony Poljan could catch it. Yeah, you know he I mean? put it at a height that it was like a perfect height. But the guy, like the ones to Davis, he's usually blanketed by a guy. Yeah. yeah. So you have to just put that thing like 
you know, 14 feet up in the air. <laughs> like, you just let him go, go eat, man. Like, yeah, it's like he's trying to throw it. I mean, I'm not a quarterback. I'm not trying to, you know, ob- and obviously sometimes you just miss by a little bit. But it's like he's trying to put it on the numbers. And it's like you need to put that thing over his head, you know, um, and just let him. If you, it, you know, you want those those balls, if they're incomplete, you want them to go out of bounds, right? You don't want them to land in the field yeah. of play. So, yeah. um, that ball to pole Jan, honestly, was one of those like, what is he? Oh, wow. Like that was that was he had some. He, he he demonstrated some really good arm talent in this game. Yeah, he did. like I think a lot of people just assumed he had a really good arm, but we hadn't seen it um, yeah. in game action. Yeah. I mean, like he threw he had some nice passes against Duke, but like previously last year, he, everything he threw deep was a lot. But he still does that a lot. Um, yeah. But I mean, if he, the one he had to Davis down the sideline was very good. Um, I think it was his second catch. Uh, yeah. That was a really nice the ball. toe tapper. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. was a really good ball, and he had one to, to pull Jan that was pretty good early in the game that was dropped. Yeah. Um, that was just a well like a lot of velocity, and he had one throw that we both remarked on late in the game. I think it was to Kemp in the end zone or Jana, like a deep down the middle. Yeah, and it was incomplete. Yeah. It was like out of the back of the end zone, but it was a he threw it hard. It was, like yeah. it was a good throw. Yeah, it was a good ball. Um, I'm not, I don't know if he it was throws, the last. He, go ahead. I don't. I don't remember if it was the last drive of the game or the next to the last, but he had a. Finally, we got the running backs involved in the passing game. We threw a little flare pass out to Simpson, and then the very next play, they ran a, a screen pass to Talapapa. Mm-hmm. Um, those are two really, like you know balls he put some touch on without like kind of floating them. Um, and doing that when he was obviously juiced up showed me like you know he's getting a little more seasoned. I thought his feet were his footwork was much better. Yeah, he was. You yeah, know, he, he was he demonstrably some, better. He had some happy feet, but nothing. Yeah, like nothing dude. like. Yeah, that first you know what half and and a little bit of the second of the third quarter right like he like even some of the ones that you could tell they were designed specifically just to kind of get him going his arm motion and his footwork was just like all over the place and you could see that he was like why am i it was almost like he was having a conversation like why am i doing this you know what i mean like he he looked like he was kind of going through the stages of like fixing himself and then it just kind of righted the ship a little bit i be, i'm i agree like i think yeah. once he once he gets to a place where he can really you know um rep it out i mean like that's the thing too man we got to be honest like not everybody's gonna be trevor lawrence who you know he could be throwing anybody and make them look good right but like a lot of guys need that time with their receivers and as i watch a lot of games that's something you can kind of see a little bit of a um of a theme right is that like the they they just don't have that um that connection that chemistry that we're kind of accustomed to because dudes are throwing all summer long and when you don't have that, there's not you can you can whiteboard it to death in Zoom, but that ain't the same thing, man. Um, but yeah, yeah you I, got a was, lot of guys who just are new in the program right, and yeah. like you know guys that he just hasn't played with a lot. And I think I mean honestly, not not to go on like a whole thing, but I'm pretty optim like encouraged by what I've seen from him from two games, even though it hasn't been perfect. And he started like really slow in both games. I mean. He's like one for nine in this game or something before he got going. And I think maybe that's something that they're going to have to like figure out how to get him going a little earlier. Yeah, um, that was something Bronco talked about Because it seems yesterday. like once he hits a gear, he's like yeah. good. Yeah, you know? yeah. It's like it, it's like there is a place. And, you, and it's like once it happens, you're like, uh-oh. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like you almost see it in him. You know, like mm-hmm. um, once it's like once you get the, once you get the train on the tracks, man, it, 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 it screams. Um Bronco talked about Perkins it. would have stuff yeah, like still, that too, where he would do it like later in yeah, games, where it would true. be like the third quarter, and he would just randomly go cold for like two drives. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah, it was like almost a, yeah. Bronco was, talked about that one he threw Conlon's off of. Tweet. Uh, what was it? 
Now, I was going to say Bennett had breaking, broken down Brennan by quarter today. Um, that's at Bennett Conlon. He, he's a good follow. Uh, first quarter, Ben Armstrong through two games, is seven for 21 for 60 yards. Uh, second quarter, 12 for 23 for 170 yards and a touchdown with two picks. Third quarter, 12 for 23, 86 yards, one touchdown, two picks. Fourth quarter, 17 for 21, 223 yards, three touchdowns and no interceptions. Yeah. Which is weird. He's got 21 in the first and fourth and yeah. 23 in the second and third. But. Well, also, like I think an encouraging thing about um, and I wouldn't be saying this if it didn't go this way, but Clemson played their starters for like the entire game. I mean, yeah. and that's something that we talked about last week on the podcast, trying to make them earn it, you know, four quarters. If UVA had lost this game 41 to 23, where they went down 38 nothing, pulled everyone, you know, like right. Clemson yeah, pulled everyone, then they came back the, in. Yeah. Then I'd be like, all right, well, this wasn't real. I mean, like they came back against nobodies, no but ball, yeah. they they moved the ball, they moved the ball down the field and looked good, converted a bunch of third downs and stuff, had a bunch of good draw plays and runs and all kinds of stuff against starters. So I mean, even the fourth quarter numbers, I mean, I don't know if they had all their starters out for that last drive, but he they were moving the ball pretty well before that. And then the Duke game was in the balance in the fourth quarter. So it wasn't like he was throwing against nobody in that game either. Um so, I mean, I think that that's one of the things, too. It's like, okay, you can look at what Armstrong has done and be like, ah, he's done really well. I mean, he leads the ACC in total offense per game in yards, um, which is pretty remarkable considering some of the other guys in the league. Um, but, I mean, I think that, you know, he's done it against two ACC teams. It's not like he's playing nobody um, in week one, and then, you know, he did it against a bad ACC team. And one of the games is at Clemson. So, I mean, like, it's not like you can delegitimize that. So... I think if he goes out and does it again this week, then people are going to kind of start to take notice. Um, last thing. Oh, then, last thing. Last thing. Wow, do you remember look the, at you. Sorry, Brad. <laughs> sorry, man. I don't know. Do you remember the very first, uh, the first drive, I think it was, was third and like nine, and Brennan took off running and got mm-hmm. the first down and got absolutely pancaked yeah, by did. the linebacker. Yeah, he did. James Skalski, the war daddy. Skalski, yeah. yeah. Dude Skalski jumped up and was good to go. Skalski. Okay. He's 47 and he hits like a missile. Um, yeah. That guy is a beast. <laughs> it's like way. a missile. Yeah. That was impressive. Like, Brendan did that, got right up, and went right back to play. Like, yeah. I was like, yeah, we got ourselves something here. And you can see that in, in tomorrow's film room. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, it's yesterday's for these people because we're out of yeah. time. Yeah. Um, the last thing I wanted to say I, I mentioned this in the 3 2 1, and. Um, Obviously, I mean, we're an hour and so much in here, so we're not going to like double back on it. But I'm really curious to see what the game plan is and and how Rashawn Henry does this week. Um, I'm and I and I'm not trying to like I I realize that I've mentioned it in a piece and now I'm mentioning it on the podcast. But I, I I do think it's interesting in the sense that like he started a little slow last year when he caught 90 passes. Um, obviously in a different program at a different level. Um, but he hasn't been nearly as involved and. And, and it's not so much that I want to talk about it potentially because of necessarily what's going on with, you know, his specific situation, but more about like the way that this staff with some new guys, Davis, Pole Jan, they seem to really understand like really quickly, okay, this is, this is what we can do with this dude. And with other guys, it takes them a while, right? And I, I mean, frankly, I, do we know if they, did they ever really get to a place where they knew how to use Joe Reed? Like most of the time, yes. You know what I mean? But like there were definitely some, some times where you were, you know, where it just felt like maybe that 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 one didn't necessarily always fit right. Um, and I wonder if Henry might be in a similar situation. You know, they obviously 
again, when you have guys who are new to teams and such and such and such, there's there's some some feeling out that has to happen. And then, I mean, he might go out there Saturday and catch you know seven eight passes or something, right? Um, I guess maybe it's for me. I thought that a guy like him would fit pretty well, and that because of their need at receiver, especially once Wicks went down, that they would be in a really good spot with him. So the fact that he hasn't really, you know, he's gotten what one target in two games. I yeah, I mean, I think the lack rough. of targets is more of a red flag than the lack of catches. Like right. if you yeah, had yeah, like that's what know, I, yeah, eight that's targets, what I'd yeah. be like, all right, he just hasn't caught a ball yet. It's right. a big deal. Yeah, but I mean, it's not like they're having. I'd be more concerned about it if other guys weren't thriving. You know, like if they were having trouble with it. You know, I, I think eventually they'll get him going, and I really think, not to go on another thing, but. I think there's a lot they haven't shown. Um, I would agree with that. When I went back and watched 100%. the game, when I went back and watched the game, I was like, man, there's a lot of other stuff we've seen this offense do in the past that they haven't done yet. Um, quarterback runs, uh, passing concepts, motion stuff. Um, I think Keaton Thompson's eventually going to get the ball out of the backfield a couple times. Like we haven't seen that. Um, there's a lot of stuff I think that I don't think they're they were just throw, you know emptying the chamber against Clemson and Duke. So I'm interested to see like what, you know, what kind of stuff we, cause we haven't seen him get like a, uh, a jet sweep or anything either. True. So, I mean, I think that's, that's gotta be in the arsenal. True. And we haven't seen a whole lot of read option stuff from Brennan, which he, we know he's pretty good at. Yeah. I think there was one some really of that might be one. reflected by the yeah. fact that 99's a receiver now, and maybe they don't want to expose Brennan if they don't have to. Um, but yeah, yeah that I mean, definitely yeah, sounded to when Bronco talked about it yesterday. And again, as you're listening <laughs> yeah. to this is Thursday, but whatever. Um, it definitely sounded like it was a like a position change and not like he's yeah like he's a receiver, receiver now you know what I mean yeah. like he's a receiver now, um, mm-hmm. which you know I, I had heard I think that's rumblings. one of those things too though where it's like if 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 Brennan gets hurt then they'll reevaluate yeah that's true you know? <laughs> I had heard some rumblings that you know Armstead and Thompson were both out at receiver or they were both going to touch the ball and originally I was you know under the impression that maybe that could mean wide receiver running back a little bit of both whatever, um, but I mean like he's talking about like fresh you know, a new scenery and, you know, he's having fun again and, you know, he's learning a lot. Yeah. I said this after the first game to you guys, but like, I really think that, um, maybe people don't care, but I think he deserves some level of credit or like, you know, praise because a lot of guys would just be like checked out if they didn't win the job. Like we've seen it in the past with quarterbacks. And frankly, we were worried Um, about it, right? We were, there were a few days there where there was like rumors that he had like left, you know? And not only not no, he's only, not only playing wide receiver, he's blocking. Like yeah, that's what I'm saying. Not only is he a, like he's not like a skill guy that's getting a bunch of targets either. He's gotten like one target and, or two targets, and he's been blocking a lot, and he's been doing it pretty willingly. So yeah, for sure. Um, I'm sure it, maybe it's not working out the way that he initially thought, but he's he's helping the team win. So or or hopefully helping the team win this week. So I think he deserves some. That that speaks to sort of like what kind of player he is and and what he's about. Yeah. Yeah, and I think sometimes we're a little, you know, we we uh, treat quarterbacks with kid gloves a little bit too much. Like, if he's practicing with Armstrong and Armstead and Stone, he knows he can't throw as good as those guys deep. Like, he sees that, right? Like, that's something, you know, he's been through two months of camp. Like, he's not an idiot. He's been playing football all of his life. He, he knows that he can't work, reach the next level if he can't throw that deep ball. Now, this is all on assumptions. So you could see a kid like him who's clearly athletic and has great size, if you can you know, say, hey, we can work you out a wide receiver now, you can get some touches, plus you get a free year, so you can get 
two or three years of work at wide receiver and potentially make the league as a wide receiver and help us out. Like, yeah, I mean, I don't think it's that shocking. Um, but, it, you know, it would be interesting. Yeah, I, I guess that means Stone is a clear number two right now unless Armstead has made some really big leaps that we don't know about. But they do seem to be pretty high on him. Yeah, for sure. All right, let's put a pin in it. Um, if you are somebody who found the podcast through the website, thank you very much for giving us a listen. If you don't mind, look us up. Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Overcast. Wherever it is that they have podcasts, we are there. And if not, let me know. I want us to be there. Now, if you're somebody who found the pod, hasn't given us a look yet, check us out at the website, CavsCorner.com. Listen, Ferber's film room, just by itself, is worth the price of a subscription. And um, I'm making them free right now, but I'm not always going to do that. Um, they, they're incredible. And I think it's worth 10 bucks a month, honestly, just by itself. You get four of those a week, a month. So that's what I'm just saying. What else I've got? Um, you can check out, um, as, at, let's see, as you listen to this on Thursday morning, conceivably Virginia's coordinators have met with the media. So that, you know, got some comments from them. Um, also, um, Ferber's film room is obviously out there. Um, the, the pro football focus grades that we break down every week is out there. The three, two, one is out there. We've got notes from the, on the press conference, we've got the weekend wrap. We've got Ferber's take two. So there's plenty of stuff. Thank God for football. Um, so, yeah, give us a look. CavsCorner.com. Again, I want to thank everybody out there for continuing to support the show. I want to thank Dave and Ferber for giving graciously of their time, as always. I very much appreciate all that they do. And hopefully aliens didn't land on uh, on Wednesday. <laughs> so for David Spence and Justin Ferber, I'm Brad Franklin, publisher of CavsCorner.com. Thanks for coming out. We'll see you soon. We'll see you soon.